0: Don Kendrick here with some good news. And the good news is that you're only going to hear good news here. I am a repurposed news reporter, and I am finally doing the stories that have been burning in my heart for so long. They're stories that uplift, encourage, and inspire. And they are real and they're raw and they're vulnerable. They're the good stuff stories, and we see it over and over again that through it all, through the middle of our biggest challenges. Together we can, together we will. Let's go, see the good and be the good. Are your market set? Let's go. The world marks Mental Health Awareness Day every year. on October 10th, Jamie Norton lives it. the author and therapist leading from experience out of her own brokenness and faith. 45 years of counseling clients to go from broken. To filled up. In her words, quote, witnessing the light of hope in Christ shine through broken people. Her own story is raw and vulnerable, detailed in the pages of her book, Secrets from the Third Pew. Her own overcomer story and mental health journey is inspiring so many, including me.
1: I grew up in a an old southern family when both of my parents were alcoholic. We looked really good on the outside and really bad on the inside. Um, and uh, ended up after a long journey um, away from God, um, landed in a mental health, uh, old mental health asylum, and uh, met and married a very uh, unusual psychiatrist. Um, I call the crazy shrink in my book, and um, learned a lot about. Uh, what I didn't like about the mental health system. in that point, um, left there, went to the state office, uh, went to community mental health, went to a private uh, addiction treatment center uh, to work, and ultimately started my own practice in 1990. Um, I got into my own recovery in 1978, so I have 45 years sober this year, this month, and I'm delighted about that, um, and i now in Cleveland and working uh, as an affiliate counselor to a church and really I'm finding just such a delight in uh, the space I'm in now. It's kind of like the perfect setting because I know who the real healer is and it isn't me.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> and that's why I, so 45 years sober. And this is what I love so much about you, not only of, of um, how experienced you are as a therapist and a counselor, but. The fact that unapologetically, your life is so rooted in faith, and that has so much to do with the fact that you are 45 years sober, doesn't it?
1: I think I think my journey was trying to find peace and trying to find a way back. I thought I had messed up so bad that there was no way back. But what I found was that God provides a way back, that Jesus provides a way back. And so I think you asked at one point what my favorite thing to do is what motivates me and I think the most succinct way to say that is what motivates me is to watch the light come on people's eyes when they find out that there is a way back that there's they can be free of the pain and suffering that they've had they can be free of uh, the guilt and the shame that they have carried for so long and that uh that Just to watch people's eyes begin to sparkle and their face light up to me is uh, for 45 years, that has been the most beautiful sight in the world and still is. I had been working in aging for uh, and was asked to go to be staff development director at one of the old asylums. And so that was in nineteen. Early 1970s, and the asylum had been built in 1875, so it was exactly 100 years old.
0: Y'all, again, the book is "Secrets from the Third Pew" by Jamie Norton. It is powerful. Yes, so if you're willing to read us a a part of that, I'd be so grateful.
1: Um, it's the chapter on mental health and the crazy shrink. So much of the tragic history of the mental health in the 20th century was housed in my new place of work, which had been built as an asylum. Asylums were originally d- designed by the Quakers, who believed that th- that even though they did not understand mentally unstable people, they were God's children and worthy of being treated with kindness and respect. In the 1850s, Dorothea Dix vigorously lobbied state and federal legislatures on behalf of Indigent, 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 mentally ill, and and spearheaded the building of large asylums to care for them. Asylums were designed to be almost self-sufficient. More capable patients uh, worked there, uh, had a little farm, and provided food um, and to maintain and other choice to maintain the facility. In the facility that I went to work in, there were 6,000 acres originally, and all these, they had a cattle farm, they had all kinds of things that were there, um, you know, that, that reflected that original purpose. So continuing, although the original intent of asylums was to provide care, they quickly lost their focus of comprehend, compassionate care and became dumping grounds for all sorts of people deemed Undesirable or incompetent, they became places where patients were systematically dehumanized and forgotten. Fewer than half of the patients admitted to these hospitals were ever released. Patients too dysfunctional to work were often placed in cells and tied to or tied to walls, or fed on paper plates and wooden with, with u, wooden utensils. They were often denied hygienic care with no psychiatric medications at the time, it was not uncommon for patients to have multiple shock treatments or even lobotomies. Families often wrote obituaries and held funerals for family members admitted to asylums and hospitals had large potter's fields where unnamed patients were buried. I mentioned in the book that my my beloved grandmother ended up there. Um, And what I saw when I moved to this hospital was just a a lot of uncared for people that were walking around pretty much like zombies. They Mm -hmm. had no individuality. Um, the back wards were very, uh, very hard to be in, uh, because of the treatment of the people that were there. Um, not that there weren't some good people, uh, that were caretakers and bless, bless them. They had a very difficult job, but the system as a whole, the hospital that I moved into had 3000 patients and about that many staff. So it was really, uh, really big and, uh, we did a lot of crazy things as a staff back then. It was in the early '70s, and I was not in recovery mm-hmm. yet. And I met a married a man who was a, a psychiatrist, and he was a well liked psychiatrist. But he was he was quite hippie and smoked a smoked a lot of marijuana, drank a lot of alcohol, and uh, did some acid. But it was so strange that this, to live on the campus of this hospital, you had to be either a PhD, MD, or department head. And we literally were making marijuana brownies for staff picnics. And it was almost like we had to jiggle our keys to show who was uh, a staff person. So it was, it was very disillusioning in terms of, of uh, any kind of treatment or health or anything that was designed to really restore people, to really honor people as God's kids, to, uh, to help people get a life back.
0: Let's just take a minute now and talk about today. What give us some some examples of what mental health looks like? Depression? Um, depression,
1: post-trauma situations, a lot of anxiety today, a lot mm-hmm. of depression. I think I'm t- raising t- my <laughs>
0: hand over here, Jamie. I'm raising <laughs> my hand on the anxiety front. Yep.
1: And I think that what we see right now in the mental health system. Is a real dependence on removing the symptoms rather than treating the disease.
0: We try. Oh, there in, it is. I want to highlight that. Yes, I hear exactly what you're saying. So if you're listening and you're taking notes, treating the symptoms rather than highlighting the disease. You said right. Right. We
1: as long as we look good, we think we are good. As long as we can maintain that facade and cooperate with. Whatever the system demands of us, then we seem we're seen as okay, and so we put on these false faces and try to mm-hmm. look good when we're really hurting inside. And then if we can't do it anymore, we resort to uh, often to drinking or to uh, drugs or to prescription medication. We give more uh, medication out than any other uh, civilized nation in the in the world, and. Mm-hmm. It's, I tell people sometimes if you are sitting on the eye of a hot stove, it is not a good idea to numb your butt because <laughs> all you're going to do is get a fried butt and you're going to hurt a lot worse. And what mm. we do is we try to avoid showing that we hurt. We, we try to hide our pain and our shame. And, and as a result, um, we get sicker and it, I, I think that that our reliance on mood management and psychoactive medication is is absolutely wrong. Um, we give way too much medication, and all of them have side effects. So I'm not anti-medication. I do believe that there are I do believe that there are mental illnesses. I believe our brains are really strange. I think sometimes people need um, enough enough help to get out of the basement, onto the ground floor. Uh, to mm-hmm. do the work necessary, mm-hmm. but um, we are Americans, and we look for quick fixes and magical cures. and the pharmaceutical world has helped that. And so I, I think that that we're not really delving into what are your what what's going on in your world? What are your false beliefs? what is what is the language of survival that you've learned? Along the way, uh, because the language of survival is about control what you look like, fight or run, control your world, fight or run or or just go 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 cold. And and God gives us the language of love and vulnerability and acceptance and forgiveness and mercy. And we don't have to walk in guilt and shame because Jesus went to a whole lot of trouble. To set us free.
0: And you have your own forum that has been hugely successful. It fills up quickly making peace and beyond these um, seminars that you have in Cleveland in which you really take those hours to really delve in deeper to that healing power of faith.
1: Right. And, And and to really look at how did you get here? You were born into a story and you became a part of that story. And until you really look at that story, especially if it was not a story you want to repeat or want to leave as a legacy, you have to learn a different language of living. You have to learn a different way of being. And Making Peace and Beyond has been sort of a, 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 I've done it all over the, all over the country. And it's it's a uh, it, it's it started as a weekend program with a 10 week follow up group, because often we go to a two day dip and then we get nothing beyond that. But this has a, a study follow up to it. And uh, so I've done it for almost 35, 40 years in different places, started in North Carolina and went to Virginia and South Carolina and Vermont and Michigan and here in Kentucky and other places. And um, then about two years ago, this is really exciting to me, about two years ago, um, some people said, you know, you're really getting old and this doesn't need to go away with you. And so we want to video the weekend. And so we ended up, God is amazing. The people he brought, it made me um realize what a small part of Making Peace and Beyond I have been, uh, because for all these years, he's brought people to put it together, to get the people, to do the follow-up groups, to do the meals, to provide a space. So, I mean, I just keep showing up and they do most of the work because they lead the follow-up groups. But they decided to video the weekend. And so we put together a mock weekend and 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 uh, that went with the workbook. And so now, in several different places, the workbook uh, people are doing a video class with the workbook. Uh, and it's working really well. I didn't know that it would because there's a lot of experiential stuff in the weekend. But so I'm just delighted. And we just started our first group for high school students. Um, and it's going fantastic. So, yeah,
0: because look at we just coming from broadcast news we did all these stories, uh, an in-depth piece I did on teen suicides. And what is it? What is it? So reaching out to them in this way, that's it. That's seeing the good in others and being the good for them. So
1: And to realize I, that you're not the only one who's hurting. Mm. You know, everybody has a story. I think because we we are so good at at covering up. And we started that in the Mm. garden. I mean, that's the first thing Adam and Eve did. I've never met a person who does not want to be loved. Mm. But I have met many people, most people who are terrified to be known. And it's interesting Mm. because the first thing we did in the garden, the first feeling we had was shame, shame of being a creature, shame of being a limited, vulnerable, helpless creature. And, and, And we felt shame about that. And the next feeling we felt was fear, the fear of being seen we covered up and we've been covering up ever since. And so we, most people don't realize that other people are hurting as badly as they have. Other people have had hard histories. Other people have made really goof up mistakes like me. I mean, I sometimes think God's assignment to me is just to throw myself under the bus repeatedly because, because I I thought people would run away when they, t- I grew up in a family that didn't talk about stuff. We, we had lots of secrets and, and we had the very strong no talk rule. So when I started talking, I thought, man, I'm going to get run out of town. I'd already been run out of town once, but. Not, not I, yeah, I love
0: that chapter. Again, you guys, the book, The Secrets from the Third Pew, it's such a great story. But yeah, so you you have not, he's been working but, through you. You were wrong, huh? But I was wrong. I I would be
1: mm-hmm. sitting with all these churchy looking people that I thought mm-hmm. I was not good enough to be with and that were mm-hmm. going to run out of the room when they heard my story. And, and I've been surprised for 40 years that instead of running out of the room, they started sharing their story. And what they learned in those times is, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that has 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 really messed up. I'm not the only one who has been hurt, and we can bond with each other. And the, it's interesting to me that in I, I see Jesus working so much because God cannot heal our lies. He cannot heal our secrets, and he he can only live in the truth. But once yes, we get to know from
0: about that he can't heal a lie he can't work yes we have to be able to be truthful with ourselves right yes
1: and with some other folks you know I love recovery groups because I do think that recovery people are, in essence have they come into the room because they're broken and mm-hmm. and and, and it, there's a there's a real uh way of cleaning house uh, of really looking at, yeah, I am this horrible person that did all these rotten things, and I've had all these rotten things done to me, but I can confess those things to God and to another person. We have to tell somebody, because we have to look into the eyes of acceptance. It's like you give them your worst stuff, and they give you their phone number. You know, Mm, I mean, mm it's so different from the way i thought it would be and 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 once we can reconnect with people by sharing our stories then those yes. bonds are really real and we can reparent ourselves we can learn a different language of life not overnight i mean we don't tell somebody to go to germany next week and know perfect german you know <laughs> it takes a long time to move away from the language of survival which you Learned in order to stay alive because of the mm-hmm. word survival to a language of love that is vulnerable,
0: yes, you're speaking our language. and I, I I wonder if I could i I've lost track of how many times you've said about our stories, our stories, Our stories matter. That's what this podcast, that's what this good stuff family is founded on. Our stories matter. Everyone has a story. I'm a storyteller and yet I cannot script my own journey. I can't, we can't script it. But what I found in my life is I so want to tell my story for his glory and pull along all these other stories. And, you know, it's most of uh, the people who follow are rooted in faith. Others, not so much. The point is come, everybody come, um, with your story, because I believe together we can, together we will. To go back to the beginning of this podcast, I believe it's true. I see how God works. And if I could take just a second, Jamie, because you've read from your book, I, I opened my notebook here and this page uh, that I took notes, I'm going to share my notes quickly. I have written in here, John eight, four. He is truth. Again, these are my notes from your book. Okay. From secrets from the third pew where I couldn't write fast enough. He is truth and cannot enter into a lie. What does that mean? I kept thinking of like um, the essential nature of truth. You said in healing is the major barrier to finding personal freedom in a culture based on perfectionism, secrecy, pretense. I put on the side, how i felt a lot in broadcast news perfectionism mm-hmm. don't have enough makeup yes. on uh you know uh and i i i thought to myself when i can really be true to myself that lie what was that i was telling myself and this has stars all over it when we have the courage to face the harsh truth of who we are christ will meet us there jamie you're speaking to me john eight three two. 2 the truth will set you free my st- story is truly his glory lived through me. That's what you said. My story is truly his story lived through me, how he works through you. My hope is that you will become more aware of who you are and whose you are and trust him more. Trust him more. Where are you going? It's not for my glory, but for his that I write my story. And to not be afraid to say it finally at this stage in my life. Uh, there's so much freedom in that.
1: There is. I, I think. I think that is our testimony, yeah. and I think one of the one of the unfortunate things we do a lot of times in the church is we cut off our testimony. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes people will say to me, "I'm saved," and I'm like, "From what?" Mm-hmm. I mean, tell me why you needed a savior. Tell mm-hmm. me why you need a savior today. Mm-hmm. Because because if we don't say where we've been, we cannot say who Christ is and we cannot really give a testimony or a witness. Our witness is our story. Mm-hmm. And it
0: It's powerful. It's powerful. And I heard I could hear Forrest Gump in my back of my head saying, Where'd they go? Where they been? <laughs> <laughs> where they go? Where they being right but, so here i i happened to catch uh, the first couple episodes of beckham it's called beckham the it's a, a documentary on david beckham the soccer phenom it's on netflix and and um they were showing how that when he got this controversial red card in 1998 the world cup against argentina and, and the people even his own fans were nasty, vitriol. I mean, hung a, uh, like a um, stuffed person that's supposed to be him, but like with a noose because they were so angry because he got that red card uh, because he didn't, you know, he did a little kick after the fact, which, you know, was controversial because soccer's all a bunch of that all the time. But nonetheless, they ended up losing. So they mentioned in there, they said, one of his teammates that they were interviewing today said, you think about that. Anybody else would have been crushed. They were shouting terrible things. They'd follow him. They, in his own stadium, they, he said, no one could have survived that kind of, he was broken. He was so broken. And this is what caught my attention. He said, again, this is 1998, Jamie. He said, we didn't have all of the mental health structure then at all. No one was talking about treating the mind. 1998 is when he said it. Not like now is what he said. So even though we probably have a ways to go, we have made so certainly since the days of the asylum, you know, certainly since in the years that you've been practicing as a counselor. But even since 1998, I think this is the optimism of it all, that that we are starting to peel off those layers and and to stop uh, bearing the stigma. I hate to be so cliche ish, but I think there's some tangible inroads to that. Don't you know?
1: Right. I think we have to really look at at, at, at what uh, what life is and I mean we've made grief a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Grief is a God given way of integrating loss and adapting to change. And you know, we we've got to get rid of the looking good thing in order to really say, okay, there are people who's who's who, and I think our bodies work as one. So, our understanding of life has so much to do with how we feel. I mean, there's so much we're learning, but having a source bigger than ourselves, having a community around us, we cannot heal in isolation. We are a part of a body. We need each other, and I think to say, you know. I mean, people. It, it, until we know who we are and whose we are, we're very susceptible to uh, being people pleasers and uh, not not really responding well to the judgment of others. And because unless we know who we are, we're comparing ourselves. The only way we know we try to figure that out is to compare ourselves to somebody, uh, somebody else, or something else, and. You know, either we're better than or worse than, but very seldom do we see ourselves as equal to. And I think under Christ, we're all God's children. We're all the same. He loves every one of us. And I think that is what is so important for us to start as a starting point, some of us function better in some ways than others. All of us have our weaknesses. All of us have the things we don't do well. All of us have times in our life and we can be classified as mental I remember taking psychology 101 and, and I think I had everything in the book, you know, and because we have elements of so many things, but I think, I think to really know that there are, are non-pharmaceutical ways of healing as well. And to really look at what is it that's this this holding us down is so important but the the the, the idea of of treating others and talking about things I think is I think the stigma is certainly gone we have I started counseling in my church in the church I'm in right now 21 plus years ago and now we have I was by myself for 10 years and now we have seven counselors and and you know I think that that we're beginning to understand the importance of faith in the healing process, but also the importance of understanding mental health in the healing process. So the two combined with each other are really, really powerful.
0: I'm looking right now, I'm scanning through some of these as we start to wrap this up. If you, if this is resonating with any of y'all listening secrets from the third pew and Making Peace and Beyond. Where do we find, where can people go to get these, Jamie?
1: Uh, both of those are on Amazon. We also have some podcasts and some Instagrams. And I- TikTok. I didn't even know what a reel was two years ago. My <laughs> granddaughter called me on my 79th birthday. She said, Ma, it's, I was out making reels with, with these people who have taken my life over. And she said, Ma, it's just really weird to call your grandmother on her 79th birthday and found her out making reels for TikTok. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's the other thing that I know you never ask a woman her age, but you just had an important birthday, huge birthday, which yes. was...
1: 80 i i I made it to 80 i'm shocked you know but it (laughs) but it is but i love it i'm gonna restore the gold to the golden years i think but but um but so things are all everything is under making peace and beyond and uh we're getting ready uh not too far future to uh to launch a youtube channel and uh, I, I told them, I don't know what you're doing. I'm going to show up and, and y'all do whatever you want to. <laughs> you know, and they're doing all kinds of things. And so uh, Amazon has is, is got the books and uh, you can find the videos and the inst- and podcasts on the Making Peace and Beyond website.
0: And I want Bob, do you know, have you heard from me with Bob Goff?
1: Yes, I've read Bob Goff.
0: Love him, and I call him my friend and mentor who doesn't know it yet. Because I, um, and he always said, He, I, I, early on, one of my favorite quotes of advice from him, he said, Find the people who are adjacent to what you're trying to do and lean into them. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. So, you're you've identified what you're great at and leaning into these other people who are adjacent to what you want to do. They want so badly to make those videos so that this um, program, uh, making peace and beyond, they want to help you. And so that's what I would say in closing this to anyone listening, what's on your heart. What's, what's stopping. I'm speaking to myself here. What's stopping us from taking the next best step. All the, the lies often. uh, I'm too old. Uh, I don't I'm not qualified I've never okay here's what we do we pray into who are those people who are adjacent to us Mm -hmm. who can help uplift and encourage and inspire us while we're trying to do the same for others that's it that's it in a nutshell and I think um, I want to read this quickly because this is one of these reviews one of the many five-star reviews she, this is from Rachel. She said, I just read this book cover to cover within 24 hours. I know what she means. Like I was up late at night, page turning. I highlight my book. Then I go back and write it in the journal. It's a page turner. So she uh, read it within 24 hours for the second time. The way God works through her, meaning you, Jamie Norton, uh, is truly miraculous is the word she used. Her raw story she tells with total vulnerability, not the boutique word, I'm, I'm adding that. It's not just some boutique <laughs> word you throw around. Total vulnerability, along with her ability to get me to open up to share my own, has released me from the prison of my own fear, shame, and guilt. Amen. Can I get an amen? I've not only got to experience this transformation, but I've also gotten to witness many other people close to me go through that same experience. Jamie's story is a testament that through Christ... All things are possible. Mm, Philippians 1.13, you. is that it? Did I get that right? Philippians Thanks. So. I grew up Catholic, so I'm trying to bone <laughs> up on the verses. Uh-oh. So, Jamie, I just want to thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Uh,
1: you know, while you were talking, I thought about just the message that Jesus gave to the man sitting by the lake who was waiting for someone to come and help him. Um And kept saying everybody was in his way and he couldn't get to the pond. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? And the man said, yes. And he said, well, pick up your mat and walk. We have to do something in order to change. And so I just would encourage anybody who happens to be listening to pick up your mat and walk. You know, do something. Go talk to somebody. Pray. Find a church. Do whatever it takes to get free of whatever is holding you down
0: what a fantastic way to wrap that up. Do you want to be healed? And now more than ever on World Mental Health Awareness Day 2023, now more than ever, if you want to be healed, reach out, lean into each other. Together we can, together we will. And uh, I thank you so much. And thank you, uh, you-
1: thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you're doing. And I really uh, am so glad you're getting stories out there.
0: Amen. Amen. No stopping us now. That's what I say. So uh, (laughs) here's how we wrap up everyone. We say, you know what? Get out there. See the good in others and be the good for them. On your mark, get set. Let's go. You are good, 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 good God. This has been a grassroots good stuff family production. If you found inspiration here, subscribe and share if you would please. And we have big love and gratitude for our social media director. She is Danielle Folk and she is consistently going above and beyond. Follow her at Farmhouse Storyteller. Hunter Hogan is our editor extraordinaire who connects all the best parts together goodstufffamily.com is where you'll find our sponsors and advertisers who we are so grateful for for making so much of what we do possible and find links on how you or your business could make a good stuff story of the future possible see the good be the good that's what we do how about you on your mark get set let's go